The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So Ecclesia, the, the, the complicated and the beautiful thing about these bodies is that they're, they're constantly talking to us, right? Anybody else's body saying like, you hit it too hard or you stayed up too late last night? Just me? I blame the Astros, but it's, you know, ultimately I have to take responsibility, right? I'm literally, I'm preaching on the body. I'm like, my body's not quite in the best shape exactly that it could be in right now, right? And, and it's literally talking to us about, you know, my body will sometimes tell me, like, you can't eat greasy Mexican food three days in a row. You can't do it. And it gives me feedback and it says, hey, that's not for you. And our bodies are also telling us the stories of like what we can endure and what we can endure. There are places that we get in and our bodies are like, they're alarm systems. They're going off saying, this is not safe. This isn't good. And sometimes I think post pandemic, many of us, those alarm systems are going off constantly. And if maybe you're like me, you, you're in a role like mine and some of you work in uh, medical care and many of you have bo- uh, jobs that just require you to enter traumatic situations. I woke up this morning to another text of a, a dear woman that I've been visiting with in hospice that's connected to our community that passed away this morning, right? She's exactly my age. I can feel it in my body. And I felt, again, this same connection with other people in our community that have passed on because of this sick disease of cancer that destroys these beautiful bodies. Anybody else just hate cancer? Let's just like, I hate it. I just hate it. And by the way, the kinder you are, I've discussed this with uh, Dr. Wolf, who I think's here somewhere, works at MD Anderson. The kinder you are, for some reason, I think the more likely you are uh, to end up with cancer. The mean people, they, they get, some of the cancer gets scared off. They live forever. The meaner you are, they just live forever. But it's the most loving people I know that end up with cancer. It's just not right. It's not fair. I think particularly, now most of us have lived some life before the pandemic, right? You've been through some stuff. But even if you just endured the last three years, it's a lot. <laughs> It's a lot, and I think what most of our bodies are saying to us is we've depleted our reserves and we are at the brink, right? Some of you, I feel like you could lose it any minute. In fact, you realize before the pandemic, we averaged 10 of these, what they call on uh, airlines, a passenger disturbances globally per year. There were 10 a year. 2021, you wanna guess how many there were? Over 500. Now, I've got a philosophy that says you find out who you are when you travel internationally, right? So if you ever get hired for an important position at Ecclesia, I'm going to take you somewhere first because if you travel internationally with me, I'll find out if you're a jerk or not. I just will because you're going to be in a stressful environment. Something's going to come up. You're going to treat people poorly. You're going to treat a waiter poorly. And I'm going to go, no, 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 you don't belong here because it brings out. And that's what happened, right? People are on these planes and what they're struggling with is just coming out. One of the last ones I was reading about where this lady was literally flying to Texas and all of a sudden she just starts screaming on the plane, we're all gonna die, we're all gonna die. Now nobody wants to hear that on a plane, right? (laughs) They divert to El Paso, she just couldn't contain it any longer. And I feel like we're all at this place, we've lost our reserves, we're at the brink. My friend John Eldridge wrote in his book Resilient, he said this and I think it's fascinating. He's, he's talking about the last three years. So again, I want you to know, you, most of you, unless you were just recently born, you endured some trauma and some pain before the pandemic. 
But over the last three super weird years, he says, this is what it was like to be suddenly stripped of your normal life, to live under the fear of suffering and death, to be bombarded with negative news, kept in a state of constant uncertainty about the future with no clear view of the finish line, to lose every human countenance behind a mask, right? Anybody else where you're just like, is she looking at me like she hates me or she loves me? Like, I can't tell. He says, may I point out that this is exactly the torment that terrorist regimes do to break down prisoners psychologically and physically? Isn't that crazy to think about? This is exactly what they would do if they had you in a prison and tried to break you down. And that's what we've been through the last three years. And so that's why many of us are experiencing what they call mental fragmentation. Anybody else find yourself regularly just walking into a room and going, why am I here? How did I get here? And what was, I know there was a purpose. I just, I don't know why, I don't know what it was. Or where you're like, you literally don't know what day it is. Anybody think it's Tuesday, but it's really Monday or Wednesday or you, you just don't know. I'm convinced a lot of people hadn't come back to church because they don't know it's Sunday yet. They hadn't figured out like, no, it's really Sunday. If we just start track and we'd remember like, oh, it's Sunday. That's the day I used to go to church. I, I, last week, I, um, I got to the end of my day before I realized that at the place I had lunch, I left my computer bag with my iPad in it. The problem was I sat there forever trying to figure out where I had lunch. I couldn't remember. It was the same day. I'm like, I don't have all, I'm just, I'm fragmented, right? I have these, it was at Tony Ty, by the way. I showed up late and the last service I was like, I could tell you a Tony Ty story and they were like, tell it. You wanna hear about one of my favorite restaurants? Years, years ago, this has nothing to do with the sermon, it's just free. Um, years ago, I was eating at Tony Ty, which is a great Thai spot on Bel Air. Um, and there was this guy with a huge bottle of bourbon on his table, super annoying, drunk, loud, like kind of bothering everybody in the restaurant. So eventually I'm like, I don't wanna just be a jerk, but I wanna let the guy know like, hey, this isn't cool. So I just brought my glass over and said, how about you pour me a glass of bourbon since you're being so loud in the restaurant for all the rest of it. And he goes, great. And he poured me a glass of bourbon. And he goes, I'm Tony <laughs> at Tony Ties. Then you get to be a jerk. It's your restaurant. It's Tony Ty. You can do what you want. I'm like, I get it. So now whenever I see him, he asks me if I want a glass of bourbon. I say, yes, I do. And I get it for free. So it worked out great for me. Has nothing to do with the sermon. Just, just throwing it out there for you. Maybe you're like me. And you found that you almost have an aversion to your phone. Anybody else afraid of what's gonna pop up on it? This year, I've spent time in Ukraine and in Uvalde. And somehow I think the next tragedy is gonna happen in another place with a U in the name. I don't know what it is, but there's something in me that just, when I hear it, I read it. And and this is what happens. I see an alert come up on my phone about Uvalde and my body goes back to the state I was in when I prayed with one of the guys there whose wife was a teacher, Juan. And Juan cried so desperately on my shoulder and he pounded his head and literally my, my, I was drenched in his tears. And my, I hear the word and my body goes back there. I've, I've told you this story before when I was uh, moving my daughter into Baylor years ago. I spent a lot of good time at Baylor. I went to school there and then I pastored a church in Waco. 
And I, I went and escaped while they were doing girly stuff in the dorm room to get it set up. And I went and walked around campus and I walked to a spot on campus and all of a sudden I felt like I was gonna throw up. I was like, what? what's happening, right? And I, I had time so I could pause and think, right? And I literally, I felt like I got punched in the gut. And my brain didn't remember what my body did and it took me a while that that was a place when I was a pastor at a very young age, I got a call from a family about a girl that I loved in my church. And her brother was an elite soccer player and he was traveling Europe and he was a sleepwalker. And he got up in the middle of the night and he walked off a 15th floor balcony. And my job was to go wake her up and tell her that her brother died and put her on a plane. And my body remembered. I didn't remember, but my body did. And this is what I want you to hear, Ecclesia. Your body remembers some stuff, and it's not all great. But I will tell you that your body bringing it up to you is your way, God's way of saying, we can heal some of this. Psalm 23 is a great passage to read, and it just says, like, I'm a God who restores things. And your body and your experience and your trauma may leave you in a broken place, but restoration is part of what God does. And that's what I want to invite you into today in the middle of all of that. So I got a few things I wanna share with you. And if, you, if you've experienced any of that, right, um, reading a, a book called The Body Keeps the Score will be really helpful for you. And it'll help you realize that you're not losing it, your body is actually helping you, and it's a good thing. And, uh, and that one, one of the things The Body Keeps the Score says really clearly, just so you know, is that one of the most powerful things you get to do is to name your trauma. You get to say, I've experienced death, I've experienced abuse. When I was uh, in seminary, they told us in seminary that one in four people um, that we would walk with and counsel and men minister to, that one in four people have experienced some kind of sexual abuse. And I thought that sounded really high. And then I started to live life as a pastor and I found out quickly that I think that number is higher than that. But it's much higher. And we don't talk about it, but it's a real part of a lot of our stories. And so it's in that place that we say, God, I, I could use some healing. And what I want more than anything is that Ecclesia would be a kind of home and a safe place where you could go, I think I can, I can work through my trauma here. I, th I, think, I think I can be in a place where I can learn and grow and flourish and become as whole as we can possibly be. So the body keeps the score also reminds you that the body keeps the score, but the mind tries to erase it. So part of what your mind will try to do is forget. It just forgets those things. And it's its way of protecting you, and those things come up at proper time. So I got a few simple truths I want to invite you into in the midst of, um, of all of this. And here's, um, here's the first, and this is one of our rhythms at Ecclesia. In the midst of all the chaos, right? I want you to remember what you're made for. In Genesis 2, it tells us a story of the world God intended for us. It's not the one where our phones are lit up with violence and chaos. In Genesis 2, it tells us the eternal God planted a garden in the east in Eden. It's a place we were made to live in. 
He says, it's a place of utter delight and placed the man whom he'd sculpted there in this garden and he made the ground pregnant with life, bursting forth with nourishing food and luxuriant beauty. And it goes on to talk about the trees and all of it. And this is what you need to know, Ecclesia. You were made for paradise. And now you live in Houston. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget. Anybody have a piece of art that just... Like it just captures something for you and you'll never, and I can't find it on the internet anywhere, but I saw this piece of African folk art, I don't know, 20 something years ago. And I'll never forget it. it it's, it's this African Adam, right? And I'll teach Genesis for you at some point. Like Genesis is a beautiful book, don't be into, Adam means mankind and it's poetic and it's beautiful and Genesis will build up your faith, it won't destroy it. But in it, right, um, Adam, is laying in this river that it talks about in Genesis 2. And the river flows through the middle of the garden with all the trees and the green. And it's the kind of green you see like in Ireland. When you get there in Ireland, you're like, I've never seen that color green before, right? And Adam is laying and he's got his hands behind his back as he lays in the stream. And his beautiful wife Eve is standing next to him naked while she plays the guitar and sings to him and feeds him fruit. And I saw that and was like, that's what I was made for. Like that's... <laughs> That's what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, how did I end up in Houston traffic when I'm supposed to be laying there having my beautiful wife sing to me and feed me fruit? Like, that's what I want. And, and what you need to know is that's normal. Like, you were made for better than this. You're made for a beautiful world. So the best you can do in this broken world is do what we, we've said at Ecclesia is gonna be one of our rhythms. We're gonna be a people that seek beauty. And that means chase it. Go after it. If there's something beautiful, schedule it, right? This is the beautiful part of our life is Chris and I have learned like the sunset happens at the same time every day. And if you just make it a part of your rhythm, it's hard to be really angry after you soak in it. This is my sunset in Sharps. Everybody's like Sharpstown's got nothing beautiful. That's my, my sunset in Sharpstown this week. And you know what? If I know the sunset's coming, I'm stopping everything. And I'm gonna go get some of Tony Ty's bourbon and I'm gonna watch the sunset. And in the middle of it, right, I'm gonna go, our God's a good God. And I'm reminded of the garden where Kristen lives, the sunsets are even more beautiful, right? In Alabama, we go to this pier and almost every day that's the sunset we soak in. And I'm just telling you, if you gotta find it, if it's not a sunset, it could be a sunrise. If it's a garden, it's, a, it's some place that you get there, you're in nature, you, I mean, drive to, if anybody wants to talk bad about Galveston, I'll fight you. Just go, just go. It's better than, it's, it, you get out there and smell the salt water and get your feet in the sand. And you're, anybody else realize your body changes. You know what I've learned that I love is that when my wife literally, if Kristen just rubs her hand along my arm, I can feel my body change. There was a smart aleck in the nine o'clock service and he said, yeah, it does when your wife touches me too. I'm like, who, who are you? And why are you in my church? Like, get out of here. But you get it, right? I hope, this is my hope and prayer for you, is that this place would be a little bit like the Garden of Eden, and that when you come, this would be a place for safety and healthy touch. You know one of the reasons you need to come to church? The hugs. 
One of the most spiritual things. You know what the Bible tells you to do? It tells us to greet one another with a holy kiss. And, and it says that's a part of your worship. I realized this a while back when a girl from Ecclesia told me a story as she cuts hair. And she said, you know, I realized how important touch is because in cutting hair, I have this client and he, he comes in every week to get his hair cut. She's like, guess what? He doesn't have much hair. Like he doesn't need a haircut. He's paying me to, to touch him. Just to put her hands on her shoulders. And Ecclesia, I, I hope you find somebody that cuts your hair that touches you kindly. But I would love for the church to be a place that you, you receive healthy touch. We're made for the garden, we're made for beauty. One of the things that the body keeps the score says is that people that heal and make process and progress in their trauma heal in community. The people that try to do it by themselves rarely do. You do it in community, you walk together. So seek beauty. Secondly, just one of the things I've noticed, especially right now, we live in a new world, and guess what that new world means for many of us? The new world has new bad habits. Anybody else just have some, like you've started in the last few years some habits that are just, they're not working for you? Am I, literally, I think I'm the only one, they're good. I'm glad, like I just started some habits and, I've, I've, and this is part of what you have to do is now we look at life and that's the great part of like, we're gonna start a new year, uh, you know, in a few months and you get chances to start over and you just look at your life and go, that's not working for me, I need to do this. And this is what it tells us in Ephesians. It talks about this kind of struggle with life. And it says now that they've lost their natural feelings. And this is talking about when the world's just falling apart, they've given themselves over to sensual, greedy, and reckless living. Now that could describe pretty well the world we live in today. Sensual, greedy, reckless. I mean, if you, if you watch TikTok, it, it's pretty much sensual, greedy, reckless. Over and over and over again. And we just celebrate it, right? And he says, you've got to be careful. He says, this is not the path of the anointed one, which you've learned. So what do you do? He says, if you've heard Jesus and you've been taught by him according to the truth that is in him, then you know how to take off your former way of life, your crumpled old self, that dark blot of a soul corrupted by deceitful desire and lust to take a fresh breath and to let God renew your attitude and spirit. Then you're ready to put on your new self, modeled after the very likeness of God, truthful, righteous, holy. What's he saying? Put aside sensual, greedy, reckless, and put on, what did it say? Put it back up there for me, Jeremy. I don't want to get it wrong. You don't want to misquote the Bible. Truthful, righteous, holy. So think about the things in your life, the habits that aren't serving you well. And what Ephesians 4 reminds us is we take one thing off, we put a new thing on. I've had to make some deals with myself, right? To, and that's part of what I think habits are. They have to be intentional. So like I told you last week or a few weeks ago, if you were here, I had to make a deal with myself. If I go eat Mexican food and I eat queso, that means I have to walk all eight floors to my apartment, right? I don't get to ride the elevator that day. So I'm gonna walk all eight floors. Now, I'm eating more queso than ever and I'm walking more than ever, but it's my agreement with myself, right? And I have to, you probably have to negotiate with yourself, like what habits are gonna be healthy. Thirdly, this is the invitation. Whoever you are, whatever your story, I, I wanna say this and at the same time, I, it's, there's no shame. Like, I say there's no shame and I go, there's so much shame in this room. Some of you carrying shame that's bigger than you are. 
And we're made to live without. And this is the thing with shame. Shame is experienced in the body. It's really, it's, it's a body sensation. And it doesn't feel good. It's not good. We're made for better. So this is what I want to invite you to do, to do your personal work. Whatever your story, and it means you may be in a therapist office, like unpacking like weird stuff. Some of it doesn't even make sense. I realized I had any, any uh, long-time bedwetters here, just so that you, we could have confession. Like, you get in therapy, you're like, wait, I, one of the reasons I had shame, like, I just kept peeing the bed all the time. And you're like, I just slept hard. Nobody wants to hear about my bedwetting, do they? <laughs> I really thought there'd be another one. Apparently, it was just me. <laughs> Whatever it was, like, you got this part of your story, like, what, what was that? And why, and why did some adults say this and that? And, and this happened. You start to do your work, and this is what happened. You, you get to throw it off. And you feel lighter and better. I grew up in a church environment where they didn't really tell you to go to a therapist or do your work. It was just like, pray it and pray it away and it'd be done. And it just, it doesn't work that way. So I want to invite you, do your work and it will pay off. It's so good. And then after that, fourthly, thirdly, whatever it is, don't just work harder, do your work. But don't just do your work. Know that there's a beautiful spiritual component and God wants to renew you and there's hope and put yourself around hopeful people. I love this prayer that Paul prays uh, in Ephesians. He prayed for all of us. And I'm just gonna pray it for you today. So just hear it like I'm praying it for you. This is what he says. He says, Father, out of your honorable and glorious riches, strengthen your people. Isn't that good? Just hear that. God, I want you to strengthen my brothers and sisters here today. Fill their souls with the power of your spirit so that through faith the anointed one will reside in their hearts. If you know Jesus abides in you, there's a lot that you can face that you don't have to be afraid of. He says, may love be the rich soil where their lives take root. I'm telling you, there's not much room for shame when there's a lot of love. It pushes out shame. He says, may it be the bedrock where their lives are founded so that together with all of your people, they will have the power to understand that the love of the anointed is infinitely long, wide, high, and deep, surpassing everything anyone previously experienced. You hear what he's saying? He says, you've got another story and it may not be about love. It may be about shame. It may be about trauma. But we want you to live in this story of God's love that God may your fullness flood through their entire beings. What I hope is that when you leave here and you take communion, the fullness of God, you can feel it in all of your being. That where you've had shame and tightness and it just feels different. Anybody have some of those physical, like you're not sleeping well. You got headaches? Anybody have digestive issues? Your body's talking to you. Instead, we're gonna say, hey, I'm gonna pursue wholeness in a new and beautiful way. So don't just work harder. And then fourthly, know this, that all bodies are good. The body is good and broken bodies are also the reality, right? You know, we live in a country where 25% of people are disabled in some way. And, and one of the greatest struggles when you talk with people that have different disabilities is not really the disability, it's the perception of the disability. Isn't that weird? Like, you ask most disabled people, they're like, I, it's not my dis- disability that's hard for me, it's you guys that are hard for me, 
right? Like, you're the one that makes it hard. I, I'm doing great in this, in this body because they have to come to realize what you and I have to come to realize that all bodies, disabled bodies, all bodies are good. Don't you want our kids to grow up? Anybody realize like some of the things you thought about your body, you just go, please God, don't let my kids pick up on that. Please God, let our kids see it differently. In, uh, in this book, My Body Is Not a Prayer Request by Amy Kinney, she says this, and I thought it was powerful. She said, it isn't about whether disabilities exist in new creation. This is this idea that many Christians have that when we get to heaven, there won't be disabled people. And disabled people are like, are you gonna erase me or what? Like, I'm gonna be in heaven? She said, they exist now. If you can't imagine a restored world without getting rid of 25% of the people in this country and 15% of the people globally, there's something askew with the imagination. It's simply too small for our big God. Whether we have brown eyes or wheelchairs in new creation, we shouldn't celebrate the erasure of those traits here and now. Most people don't even realize they're doing this. They have conflated disability with suffering and assume it's best to erase both. The issue is not all disabled people suffer from their disabilities. Not all disabled people want those disabilities changed. Isn't that helpful to think about? And I would just say, Ecclesia, I would love for our community to be a people uh, where anybody with any kind of disability could feel at home, that we would live with a curiosity where we would, could have a healthy exchange and we could actually have conversations and not stereotypes. I think it'd be a beautiful thing. My hope and prayer through all of this, and by the way, I know that some of you just talking about the body is triggering for you, and I just wanna encourage you, I hope it's a good thing that you're able to push through and be a part of this series. And my hope in the coming weeks that we're gonna talk about things with these bodies that are gonna be really, really helpful and hopeful for you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.